Welcome to Friday Night Party Line for February 12th, 2016. Ah, it's good to be back, guys. Hey, Nelson, hey, Cherba, how's you guys doing? Hello. What, what's, what's this thing called again? It's been so long, I forgot. <laughs> it's been so long. Well, I've grown a beard, shaved it, and grown another one. <laughs> I have grown a beard and shaved it. I shaved, like, like two days ago. Ugh. Actually, I, I can't to... even see your beard. Well, that's beard. the point. I've been going back. I've been trying to stay clean shaven, but it's kind of tough because my beard grows pretty quickly. Ah, uh, but we're back. If uh, you think about it, doesn't uh, everybody just have a beard all the time? It's just that sometimes it's inside your face. It's not the beard on the outside. It's the beard on the inside. That counts. <laughs> I too miss Dexter's laboratory. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got a good topic here today. I'm trying to uh, I'm, com- I'm trying to do a new thing with the new year, picking one you know topic we can discuss, and hopefully we can keep it under an hour. And I got a secondary topic if it doesn't run quite long enough. Uh, so the first topic we're going to be talking about tonight is about so the a uh, institution of the United States, the public library. Uh, the public library was once looked at as a fount of knowledge for the masses, but now it seems to be more like a community center. Uh, with that in mind, in which role is the library more valuable, if either? Um, moreover, does the public library as an institution still hold the same kind of value in society as it once did? I think it does, but I think it it's under attack. And this is not going to be a, a PBS telethon situation. <laughs> um <clears throat> but I think the idea of public libraries as places what you get knowledge in uh, is very useful, especially for things like continuing continuing education and you know having having a well-rounded uh, adult population. Um, I think the primary focus uh, needs to shift, and it hasn't really. Like, the libraries in a lot of cases have shifted to being, you know, as you said, community centers. Um, But they haven't shifted to being, like, places where very smart people can help you get information from various sources. Mm. Uh, Those including, and probably primarily, places on the internet. So you think that libraries should become less, like... should maintain should either maintain or or refocus their current status as more community centers and become more like places where people who have a firm understanding of how to sift through the vast amount of information that's available on the internet can be there for people who don't. Mm-hmm. I think they should still do community centery things, but I don't think that's the. Uh, a lot of American politicians think that that is what will save libraries, and I don't think that's the case. I think that they need to have a like a primary purpose, and uh, it should be a primary purpose of uh, you know diffusing knowledge throughout a population. But this diffusion of the population, I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, I would go and hang out at the local public library a lot. I mean, this was you know back when the fastest computer in my neighborhood was a Pentium two. Mm-hmm. But I would go and me and my friends, we'd all get our bikes. We'd go hang out at the library because it was nice. It was air conditioned. They had comic books. They had DVDs. They had a whole bunch of stuff. You know, they had computers there. Mm -hmm. At that point, it seems like it was already taking up the role as a community center. But traditionally, the role of the library has been a means for the public 
not necessarily to, as you say, it should be to have access to people who can, who have the knowledge to go through and curate all this information, but as a means for them to go and rather self-explore the information. I mean, one of the biggest draws that I've heard about printed books as opposed to eBooks is that a printed book is right there on the shelf. You can go, you can see it, it can attract your eye, and you can find the book that you might not have otherwise located online. So is that is that a role that should be less conducted by libraries in favor of more being this you know place where knowledge-seeking experts can help you seek knowledge? Hmm. I like the idea of a place where printed, like, Archives of printed material can be discovered, but I don't see the difference between that and like a, a, a well-run used bookstore. Like, for example, the Strand in uh, in New York. Um, there maybe what if there were government uh, <laughs> government sponsored used bookstore? That, it's called yeah, the Friends I, of the Library. <laughs> you go to a library. They don't have any money. You, <laughs> I picked up. I picked up a couple of volumes of Ranma One Half just yesterday for like a buck. That's pretty good. Well, because I bring this up, and this has kind of been uh, brought into my fo- uh, uh, um, into my focus because on the way dropping off my brother and picking him up from school, there's a library there. It's part of the Los Angeles Public Library network, and I dropped in and just appealing to my interest, they had a shit ton of manga. <laughs> Like they had oh, a bigger so oh, oh. <laughs> they had a bigger I, I I'm trying out manga I haven't read yet. Um they had more manga than some comic book stores I've been to. <laughs> um and what I noticed is that while there was certainly a large selection of books for a you know small local branch of the library system, there was an equally large part of the building dedicated towards community activities. Hmm. <laughs> And I was surprised that there were a lot of kids still at the library, but they weren't reading books. They were all on their cell phones using the free Wi-Fi. I don't know. I mean, is is the library as a repository of information, does that still have a sense of importance in society? Or has the internet more or less supplanted that? I think... I think it does, but the reason why I bring up the the you know professional library science curation aspect as a key component is because the library actually serves well sh- should probably serve two functions as you as you said you know people are doing events there you know people are using their Wi-Fi all of these functions are also given through private means right. Like, you go to a coffee shop for Wi-Fi, or you go to, you know, there are event spaces that you rent out for for functions. Right. Um, the thing that all of these don't give you is universal access. So ideally, one of the key purposes of libraries is to have universal access. You know, the government is paying for it, so any person, no matter how poor, can go to the library and access the whatevers, Right. Yeah, And the problem is, if that is the only thing that a library does, then it just becomes, uh, you know, the, the subway set. car. Well, it becomes the subway car that no one wants to get in because it's smelly in there. <laughs> so there needs to be some kind of, like, it can't just be, 
oh, this is where poor people go on the internet. Because that will, one, never maintain their funding, right? Uh, and two, not be seen as a useful thing by a lot of society. Um, Three, also leads to public masturbation, and nobody wants to see that except for some people who do, but they can organize <laughs> something on their own. They yeah. They need yeah. that particular service at the library. Yeah, that's what, that's what uh, parks are for. So if what I'm exactly. hearing from you... So correct me so, if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing from you is that the the library, the you know the the physical establishment of the you know here are the books, here are the stacks, here is the you know the archives, is a necessary part to keep those univer those services that are un- that can be allowed to be universal to people in existence, or rather yes. as a justification. Uh, I think so. I think it's I think it's half you know universal access, and it's half. Uh, for the people that can get data and information and internet and all these these other things uh, in other places, there is definitely a potentially a valuable um, whether it's monetarily or just societally of like there's value to librarians. Like library science is a very specific and detailed uh, profession, I guess, mm-hmm. and a well-trained librarian is kind of amazing at like <laughs> research and organizing information and that is not something that a lot of people really have access to um, but could definitely help uh, a lot of people so you feel that libraries are serving a less have a less important role in society what can be done to take this institution that is ostensibly incredibly valuable to the democratization of access of information to society, what can be done to make that make the library as an institution more return at least to its former place as a central and valuable anchor in the community? I think you have to have that professional class of service, uh, and whether that's just a you know government subsidized free thing, or maybe you pay a little for it. I don't know. It reminds me a lot of the the uh, proposal to use the post offices, which are you know hemorrhaging money, uh, <laughs> as local banking centers hmm. for people that can't get access to commercial banks. Because it's that same thing. It's we have this infrastructure in place that is good infrastructure, and we have these you know systems that we can use. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we add this valuable service to the community? Hmm. And in in terms of the post office, it's, it's why don't we add this valuable service to the community that both you know helps poor people, doesn't cost a lot of money at all, and probably could even make money. Uh, which is important when you're dealing with people that want to destroy government, mm. uh, and you know, provides something that people need. Jerba, thoughts? Every time you say the stacks, I think of the pornographic film that was supposedly filmed by the legendary <sighs> porn and chicken club of Yale University. Yeah, I don't think the Yale Library, which is known as the stacks. I don't think any uh, college library has not had people have sex on the stacks. Most certainly, yes. Yeah. 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 From from personal experience. <laughs> don't bring a black light to your local library. <laughs> no. 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 Mm-mm. No. Uh, uh, but no, I mean, I don't know. My experience with libraries is a little bit different, obviously, because our libraries are a bit different down here. <laughs> 
our libraries tend to try and keep up and be more useful to the community. I mean, they still have event stuff. Like, I'm looking right now at the events page for my local library. They've got uh, tea and trivia. They've got a lot of children's events. They've got a Sensual world kitchen pleasures thing. pleasures of up. the garden. I assume that's oh, yeah. stuff a mango up your ass. Sun plus guard, as they yeah. say. Very sensual. <laughs> oh, I see. But, it's you know, sensual in that. the totally legitimate, you know, technical sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is actually about senses. Smells, about multiple, About experiencing, yeah, multiple senses. I'll, I'll read the description eventually. <laughs> Presented by Paul Plant. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I suddenly think... Oh, Paul Plant is the editor of Subtropical <laughs> Gardening Magazine. That is the best name. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be a nom de plume. That cannot be his That's real excellent. name. <laughs> uh, but they also have things that are actual services to the community, like supervised exam sessions. A lot of outside places will mm. take advantage of those mm. to have exams, things like ESL classes and such. That's very useful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they also provide translation services for basically most languages, as well as classes in so, uh, sign language, which down here is Auslan rather than American sign, uh, rather than ASL, right. hmm. which is irritating as shit. But we'll get to that another day. <laughs> I assume that noise, since I'm not actually looking at the video feed, was Nelson doing ASL because he went to Rochester. No. No. no, no, I'm reading Paul Plant's uh, Garden <laughs> Consultancy. <laughs> Is it any good? Doesn't look like it. But anyway, I mean, I, like trends. Go I'm no expert in subtropical gardening, Horticulture. of course. <laughs> but uh, they've got all sorts of things like, you know, these support services, translation services. They can help you with various resources. All of their catalogs are online. They have ebook lending, which is a pain in the ass to actually do. I've tried, but it's yeah. there, I guess. Even that's if something the process could be streamlined. That's something that uh, libraries in the United States and elsewhere have totally dropped the ball on. Well, I'm a, a, LA Public Library does ebook lending. I mean, oh no, like they like do it. Says, it's shit. It's just but the New York Public Library has ebook lending that is well done if you are in Manhattan. If you are a resident of Manhattan, you can access the like Manhattan branch ebook really? system which is tied in <laughs> with Amazon and like wow. actually good. Yeah, if you're anywhere else, you cannot. I don't think access that. Um, and you'd think that eBooks would be something that you could have, uh, you know, copies of and give them out, and it wouldn't be a big deal. No, but so, yeah, Nelson, you brought up that. Um, oh, um, oh, go ahead. No, please. there are. There are a few more interesting features of libraries Libraries we have down here. They've got, aside from the usual computer facilities, getting on the internet with basic stuff, yeah. they also include, like, often meeting rooms where you can just hold your local meetings and things like that. They actually get used quite a lot for uh, other community projects, just having a place to meet that they don't have to pay for. Yeah, um, libraries are right also. Here do that too. My personal favorite is the home library service, which is where they basically have these vans and will go around and pick up and deliver books and all that sort of business to oh. people who are too, you know, too frail. It's hard for them to get to the university because of disability oh. or they're crook 
or things like that, you know. Oh, if for so some reason they can't get to the library, they'll just swing. Some dude with a van will just swing around and give you books. So not a bookmobile, but more like a library delivery service. Yeah, basically, it's sort of like the bookmobile. If the bookmobile you could book ahead of time and had access to a much bigger library. So, huh. so what you're saying is it's Uber for books. <laughs> That sounds like a Uber startup. For strangling people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, uh, it, what, it, what they do is they bring you into the van and then they crush your arm in the rolling stacks. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit severe. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I mean, maybe if your returns are late, just a finger or two would be okay, but come on, man. <laughs> well, you see, it has to match the severity of Uber. Yeah. <laughs> so. Nelson, oh. you you said earlier that you know that maybe libraries, maybe offering the maybe to be able to offer these kinds of services to you know to communities, libraries may not necessarily have to be free. Does that? Did you mean that the entire library service need not be free, or that it's just these extended services need not be free? Ideally, everything would be free, um, right? right? But as a, if there is a way to have, you know, reasonable rates for professional services, like translation would be a good example. Mm. Um, I think it might, or even if it, even if the library was sort of like, a, you know, just matched you with contracted translators that, you know, giving people, connecting people with those services, especially if people don't know uh, about those services, like if someone's doing a you know business project and they're like, oh, I need to know these things and I don't know what I'm doing, and they're if their thought is, oh, I'll go to the library and they'll help me, and maybe that means you know they'll they'll get a librarian and you know figure out like how to do research, or maybe they'll say, okay, well we've got we know this researcher who's knows about business whatevers, and they'll do business search for way. To be, uh, you don't necessarily need to be solvent, but there's ways to be not a, uh, as as some politicians would say, a drain on the uh, on the economy, um, while also providing services that people need for little or no money. So perhaps these services, which would otherwise cost a crap ton of money, for example, translation services, perhaps some of it would be subsidized. And be made available for a much lower rate to be more accessible to people. Yeah. So wouldn't that, though, wouldn't stuff like that make a a broader push towards private libraries as opposed well, to... as opposed private to libraries, private libraries would be probably by definition for profit, right? Mm. It's not a charity. I don't know. I've never... You know, I've never actually seen a private library. Private... <laughs> The private libraries that I know of either became museums or went out of business because no one goes to private libraries. <laughs> I have an idea. Hmm. What if libraries, instead of going all private or all public, went to the free-to-play kind of model where oh, you get a shut up. base level of service just for free? shut up, Chirpa. Although, come to uh, think of it, you, that's you basically what Nelson stuff. just described. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, my, my library would be shareware, you see. <laughs> Free trial for 15 days and annoying ads every 10 minutes. No, mm-hmm. when you try... 
it works fine, but then when you try and leave, some dude with a sandwich board comes out and tells you to buy the full game when it's released. <laughs> Your public library, oh. brought to you by, uh, who the hell makes LOL? Riot? Uh, Riot. Riot. Yeah. Your public library, Riot. brought to you by Riot. And by extension, Riot's Tencent. You know what? Yeah, we could uh, we could tie them into the, uh, what is it, Monkey Bucks or whatever the innocently Sesame. named Chinese, yeah, Sesame Credit. Yeah. <laughs> If you go to the that, library, that's horrifying. Sesame. Three times Sorry, a week. What? If you go to the library at least three times a week, you get some uh, a little bump of your sesame credit. Except if you take out dissident related content. Oh yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. That's bad. That is what you know. I have to tell you, I, I I brought this up when my brother. So I took my brother to the public library to get a replacement library card because he's ten, and naturally he lost his library card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was so the librarian was making kind of a you know a showy kind of fuss about him losing his library card to him, and I was saying, Bud, libraries are a very important institution in the United States. You know that you know if the if the government wants to find out what books you took out at the library. They have to get a warrant. Well, yeah, it's part yeah. of the code. It's part of the code. It's part of the uh, ALA code of ethics that you know the the what uh, what content a library pra- patron takes out is protected information. Supposedly, yes. Yeah, supposedly. Le- legally, yes. Legally, <laughs> I should legally, say. <laughs> legally, yes. <laughs> I was looking for something in particular. That's my library card. Hey. <laughs> Everybody get out your library cards. Uh, somewhere Nelson? Somewhere. Nelson? Where's your library card, Nelson? It is Brooklyn. I got mine. Brooklyn and New York. Yeah. Because, of course, they're different. <laughs> Mine's got pretty designs on it with books flying out of a cage because someone doesn't realize you don't keep books in a cage because they can't too. fly. Right, um, IKEA family. <laughs> my uh, are we just going to show off our loyalty cards now? <laughs> according, according to my library card, the Los Angeles Public Library was the 2015 winner of Nation's Highest Honor for Library Service. Nice. Yeah, look at that. Huh? My initial D license. <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh, that's it. excellent. I think I have mine in my in my wallet. Uh, my EB Games loyalty card that I use like very rarely, but is handy when I do. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, these are... I don't have my initial D license in my in my wallet. What the hell? Ah no! Do you do you know what this is? Uh, I have no fucking clue. But it JavaScript. Cool. It, it's a. Is it a cafe? No. So uh, there's a sort of meetup, sort of uh, series of talks every month called uh, Brooklyn JS. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, they found a uh, a nice laser engraving place. Mm-hmm. And they got, each month they would do a different type of wood, and they would engrave, oh. uh, this is sort of what a, a, a New York City Metro card looks like. It's got, ah. the, it's got the stripe, and it's got the little thing, mm-hmm. um, but it would be Brooklyn JavaScript. So that one is called Brooklyn JS, right? Yeah. Are there other branches of that? Oh, let me tell you about this. Are th- so, tell, me, tell me they're called, tell me they're called nodes. Um, so there's the Boro JS family which Uh is sort of part of the JS Conf family like JS Conference Uh there's Brooklyn JS Queens JS 
uh, Manhattan JS, uh-huh. Jersey script because they want to be different. Jersey script. Um, and I believe there's also a Staten Island JS, but no one's ever been to Staten Island, so. Yeah, it's 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 but pretty closed. There's also Empire JS, which is a yearly JavaScript conference, but there is also Empire Node. Uh huh. Okay. I've got a bunch of business cards on my wallet. I can't figure out where the fuck they came from. Uh, Businesses, I assume. But uh, presumably, I have one card in my wallet that beats them all. What is the one Any card, card to rule them all? Aha! Medicare. You socialized medicine card. You say that. <laughs> But, you see, I also have a socialized medicine card. In fact, I have two. Two? I, Good lord. I've got Let's the uh, State of California Benefits Identification Card, and I've got my uh, Care First Healthcare Helpline card, which is the uh, socialized medicine here in Los Angeles. Well, one of them. Well, it's part of the LA yes. Care Network. I, on the other hand, have three separate private insurance cards, and none of them actually work. Wow. Oh, hey, I found my student because ID. Because they're from, like, former jobs. <laughs> and that's America, right there. I found my student ID. Also, I'm going to use it to get some discounts on Froyo. <laughs> bonus prize to either of you who can figure out where the hell I got this. Because <laughs> I don't know. What is yes. that? Uh, is that G4? Uh, that would be a G in a spot, so I would assume it's GameSpot, because I can read the other side of the card where it says GameSpot. Yeah. <laughs> And it's labeled with CBS Interactive Games. Hmm. That sounds like a, that sounds like a PAX situation right there. Yeah, something like that. Probably. I probably met that dude when I was drunk, and I just don't remember. <laughs> oh, I have my GameStop. I have my GameStop power-up card. GameStop and EB Games are basically the same. No, they are literally the same. They're I the have same my Mikey card in my wallet, which company. is a bit odd, considering that I've been in Brisbane since, like, last October... And this is the Melbourne public transport system, so that would explain why my go card hasn't been working every time I wave my wallet at the sensor. Ah. Train. Huh. <laughs> oh, because it's picking up the wrong chip. No, it's because my go card's probably in my bookshelf. Ah. Where my Mikey card normally sits. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, uh, it's been yes. a fantastic show. Uh, it's good to get the it's good to get the whole gang back together. Nelson, the Nelson, Scott Johnson. Nelson, we've been yes. missing you, man. Yes. It's good to have you back. Yes. <sighs> I got anything to plug, Nelson. Nelson, yeah, um, let's go through the plugs. Nelson, you got something to plug? You did write an article, or you did write a thing recently. Yeah, it was a short thing. Because um, I get them delivered to my inbox by Medium. Thanks, Medium. I will have something to plug very shortly, maybe, yes, maybe from work. Oh, actually, you know what? I will plug this thing. Uh, you should look at the uh, following, which is a blog site, whatever, by uh, New York Magazine. Um, it's got Max Reed, who is the former former editor in chief of Gawker, and they talk about cool vines and other internet things, yeah. and it's actually really good. Wouldn't that be essentially the same job if you worked for a wine magazine? No, no, cool vines. Like, yes, exactly. You talk about cool vines. Oh my god. Ooh, a gospel version of the Golden Girls theme. There you go. Alright. Jerba, you got anything you want to plug? Oh, let me just pull up things so I can put a link in the chat so Victor can link it later. It is a short film called Comfort by a group called Black Squid Media and uh, directed by a young gent called Zachary Nah. 
who, if I remember correctly, works at the famous Blur. He's a, he's a pretty wicked talented filmmaker. I really enjoyed this, like, legit, not just because this is a guy I kind of know. No, mm-hmm. this is fucking really good. You should watch it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is all about uh, drinking and addiction and such yeah. things on the surface of it, but, you know, I'm trying to be circumspect because it's not that long, so... <laughs> It's got a Spend good ten ending. Spend minutes and watch it yourself. It's got yes. a good ending. It's not what you would call a predictable ending, but it is a good ending. Um, for my thing to plug, I'm going to plug a video by YouTuber uh, Tom Scott explaining why all those people who set their iPhone clock back to the 1970s um, had a horrible time. Basically, it bricks your phone. But this video goes into why that is. And I'll, I'll give that you a hint. It's about Unix. And not, you know, not the people kind of Unix. But, <laughs> you know. Like, hey, man, they could be both. Well, I don't think the people kind of Unix has to do with why people's iPhones are crashing. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's probably some Unix programmer out there who hasn't got any bollocks anymore. Who's just like, that bloody victor. <laughs> Me specifically, huh? <laughs> yes, you specifically, because I didn't fucking say it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I know better than to offend the fucking nutless Unix centers. <laughs> all Their right, powers well... are fearsome <laughs> and beardy. They can crash your phone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's it for this episode of Friday Night Party Line. Uh, check us out next week on Acceptable Vices when we're doing something. Uh, in the meantime, oh, if you are hankering for uh, movie reviews, Derek, who you may uh, who you're familiar with from Acceptable Vices with his awesome games, he and I have been uh, reviewing movies uh, for like the past five weeks. Check it out; it's at fifty uh, two films.tumblr.com. Uh, link in the show notes, and uh, that's it. Thanks, gents, for a fantastic episode. Thank you. Woohoo! Bye. Go to your local library. Party Line is a Frostworks production. To find out more about us and what we do, check us out at www.frost.works. <laughs>